Hi, this is Eddie Deason. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. Ha 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 ha. You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. Hey everybody, welcome back to another exciting episode of Breaking the Fourth Wall. I am Christopher Stolle, your host, and today I'm sitting down with author Neil Gordon. Neil, how you doing today, Neil? I am well, thank you. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, just waiting for this uh, little uh, punishment to be over, I guess you could say. <laughs> I know, we're all waiting. We're all waiting. Excited to go back to work. Please don't ever air this episode to my boss. <laughs> uh, today, obviously, Neil, I want to I want to get to know you as an author and and what inspires you to be an author. Uh, but of course, we got to we got to dig into what even. Well, yeah, we'll we'll start there. What even made you decide that, that hey, this is the career for me. This is what I want to do. Um, well, when I wrote my first book, what first when I wrote the book, I didn't know if I was worthy to be to call myself a writer. Um, and then, so that was a that was a process that I had to go through writing a book. And then, when I found an editor who would uh, help me with it, and I gave it to her to read for the first time, I was on pins and needles waiting for that phone call that I knew was coming, and she would tell me. Yay or nay? Yay, keep going, or nay, you know, stick with the day job. So uh, she loved it. Uh, that was a cobbler's tale back in 2018. So that was the moment where, you know, I knew I could do this, and um, I could call myself a writer um, or an author or a novelist or any of those three. Um, I like novelists the best because I write novels. Right. So that, that seems to fit my uh, description of uh, how I write. Or the type of writing that I do. Um, I write uh, mostly historical fiction. Um, three of the four books that are published are historical fiction. One, The Righteous One, that's metaphysical fiction. And I have two books about to come out. Uh, well, one book's coming out next month in June. That's historical fiction. And another one will be out probably sometime in the fall. Uh, is historical fiction as well. Um, and I'm actually starting on another manuscript, which is a sequel to the one coming out in June, which is just an extension of that. So, um, yeah, I got I got a lot in the pipeline, I got, and I got a good collection already up uh, that's been published. Well, it, first and foremost, I got I definitely got to dig in uh, when, you, when you say the phrase historical fiction. And, and right. you also used uh, metaphysical fiction, which I'll, I'll put a pin in that and come back to that one in a minute. Uh, okay. But since, since it seems like the main genre you like to write in is historical fiction, maybe for, for the layman people listening that may not know exactly what historical fiction is, um, I'm a, and I'm assuming I may be one of those layman people, Historical fiction is you take actual historical events and put a fictitious story into it. Would that be a correct assumption? That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I take a time period that has some interesting events um, that you want to spin your story around. Uh, for example, the Bomb Squad. It takes place in the year 1916, right before America gets involved in World War One. When the story begins, uh, America is neutral in the war. And um, 
we have German spies here in the New York metropolitan. I'm in New York, so I say here the New York metropolitan area. We have we have spies blowing things up, trying to distract America from getting into the war. So my story revolves around that time period, around those events. So I have historical events that I that I use as backdrop, as color for my story, as motivation for my characters in my story. Then I create fictional characters that live within that with at, at that time period. So it's a fictional tale of two German Americans, two men, uh, both born in Germany, both moved to the United States. One uh, is a German spy, still loyal to the to the fatherland, and the other one is an American patriot and a New York City police detective. And they're and they're of course they're going to be uh, fighting each other in terms of uh, trying to trying to prevent one from um, you know the spy from continuing their their ha causing their havoc in, in New York. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit of an idea of what historical fiction is about. What got you into doing uh, doing that type of writing where, where you would take, uh, uh, I would assume there's a lot of research involved, and uh, I kind of want to write in the 17th century, so I have to figure out what's going yeah. on in the 17th century and then what would make a good story out of these events. And I imagine there's a lot of research into it. What, what made you want to, uh, what, what really inspired you to want to uh, take on that style of writing? Well, that's what I like to read, you know, so I like reading historical fiction. I like when I read good historical fiction, I could learn something about the time, and it's easier way of digesting it uh, in a more entertaining way than a, you know, a very dry history book, a uh, nonfiction book would be. So I love when stories are woven into history. You can learn about World War One. you can learn about World War Two. you can learn about uh, in, in Native American life in the 17th century, like you just said, in my book Moonflower, which is exactly when that takes place. Um, so, you know, when before, right before the English took over New York, it was called New Amsterdam, and the Dutch controlled it, and that's when my story begins in 1670. And it's a journey of a, of a, of a teenage boy um, living his life, trying to find his, make a connection with the Great Spirit. Um, he meets up with an English uh, officer who's a very evil character. Um, he goes to this whole rites of passage with his indigenous tribes at the time. And so this is epic tale that would follow of his in the, uh, in the 17th century. Okay. All right. But that, I mean, it sounds interesting. It really does. And, and, and I, surprisingly enough, I haven't read a whole lot of, historical fiction like when i when i think of, I, i've never thought of like them together i've always either had you know historical books where i'm i'm you know reading actual things like like the biography of uh of Patton, for example yeah. you know or or i read something that's completely you know uh fictitious like you know for the sake of argument wolfenstein if they ever came out with a novel for the video game or whatever you know, right. and I use that one as an example because I know that's a that's a fictitious uh, World War Two story, but it's it's completely you know science fiction and made up. Um, so it, it's really interesting to me to, to to hear that there is a genre out there, and it, again, maybe I'm just not versed enough in it that there is a is a genre out there for for taking actual historic, and I find that fascinating that you can actually. Uh, keep the actual historical event happening the way it happened. So you learn something, but you don't real. it's almost like you're not realizing you're learning something as you're following the story of the, of the fictional characters. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. So it's a way, it's a nice way of learning something. Because you're going to spend 
hours and hours of reading a book. You might, you know, it might be good to learn something at the same time. So, you know, it's a good way for young people to, to learn history through historical fiction. And there's a lot of great stories. I mean, it's a, it's a gigantic genre. I mean, lots of books are written in, in that genre and even subgenres of it. You know, historical romantic fiction and historical thrillers and historical crime and you know there's you know you could you could whittle it down to even even a finer point um by going into other directions as well um so yeah it's uh, it's something i love i like to do and it, i like it because when i'm when i'm i'm writing and i'm doing my research at the same time if i i'll look for big events that would uh that are that are interesting like the like the bomb squad, it starts off with um, the explosion of Black Tom Island. So on June thirtieth, uh, nineteen sixteen, at midnight, um, the German spies uh, blew up an armaments depot called Black Tom Island, which was right behind the Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor. And it was a gigantic explosion. I mean, this was like it it just, just really damaged the Statue of Liberty itself. Uh, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage. Blew out windows in Manhattan. Blew out windows in New Jersey. Um, it was was quite something. So that's how the book begins around that event. And of course, my detective Max Rothman is the one who has to investigate the bombing. And that's how the bomb squad uh, starts off. See now, now you're making me want to read it. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I put a pin in the question earlier. I'm going to bring it back because uh, you know I know we're we're sitting on the uh, the the historical fiction. Right. I am curious what metaphysical fiction is and what the difference obviously is between the two besides the fact that, you know, historical obviously is historical fact event. Right. Where, uh, and, and even more so what made you step over into that genre when you, like you said, your niche was, uh, was historical. Well, my first book, A Cobbler's Tale, is historical fiction, but I have a, I have a taste of metaphysical fiction in the book where one of my characters is a young boy in that, and he, he's what's called a tzaddik. Uh, according to Kabbalic uh, mysticism, uh, Jewish uh, mysticism, called the Kabbalah, um, uh, there are only 36 tzaddik on the earth at any one time. And to be considered a tzaddik uh, is that you have, you're the hand of God on earth. So you're not like you have a superpower, but you have this empathy, empathy, empathy that you could... Uh, reach out to people, and and you know they they could relate to you in a way that you know if you if you, he touches you about as you're about to pass, you he can make that connection from you from from the passing person to God to Hashem. So he has this ability, and and I talk about it in the Cobbler's Tale. But in in the Righteous One, now the same character, sixty years old, and he's called upon by some people uh, in New York City. Because uh, they know he exists, this tzaddik exists, and only that the tzaddik can fight his evil counterpart, which is called the Rasha. Um, so he's a cobbler. He's a reluctant tzaddik because you know he knows he has this gift, but he hasn't used it in all these years. But he's called upon to to resurrect his gift, to you know to reenergize his gift, and and fight this evil character. And this evil character has some power, so he could he could foresee the future in his dreams. So he's learned how to live in his dreams, how to be awake in his dreams, uh, how to be lucid in his dreams, and he's able to 
predict the future. And he's made himself very wealthy, very powerful. But of course, he doesn't use it for good. He uses it for his own wealth and, and evil. And his and his son is involved with his with his schemes. So they try to stop him. So he, they call upon Moshe, the cobbler, uh, this humble little cobbler, to to you know fight this this evil man. Uh, and the battle itself is not; it has to take place in the dream world. So Moshe has to learn how to be lucid in his dreams, so he can fight this evil character in the dream world. So it's the idea there that I'm touching on the consciousness okay. that that the consciousness is separate. It, you know, we live within our consciousness in our body, but does the consciousness live on after our body dies? Um, so it's that that type of questions I bring up. Um, so yes, this is metaphysical. It's spiritual in, in a way. Um, it's not concrete in any belief that this is real. Right. Uh, that we want to think it's real. Uh, so that's that's sort of how I describe the genre and how uh, the righteous one fits into this metaphysical fiction. Just just so I'm clear and and for everything, obviously um, with with a lot of your characters, I'm I'm sensing the theme of of Jewish heritage. Um, obviously you, uh, you come from, uh, Jewish descent as well, but with the metaphysical, I'm curious, uh, would you ever step outside the, uh, the, 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 uh, what's the terms I'm looking for here? The traditions of the Jewish faith for some of your metaphysical tales, like, uh, maybe Native yeah. American belief systems or, 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 uh, Christianity's like a kind of like a Da Vinci code in right. a sense type deal or. Even even Muslim faiths and and their uh, otherworldly beliefs, I guess you could say. I, I, right. I, I, I don't mean that disrespectfully for anybody. I don't mean it as like I don't believe they exist. I'm saying the beliefs where you have things like turning water into wine, for example. That's what I mean by otherworldly. Yeah. Well, I did in, in Moonflower. I talk about indigenous spirituality and um, and their so-called religious beliefs. Though you know they don't have you know. There, I, w- I wouldn't say they what they how they live is a religion. It's 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 a traditional. It's a lifestyle. It's a it's a connection to the earth, a respect of the earth. So I talk about that in Moonflower quite a bit. Right. And a new book coming out, A Hope City. It's a Jew. It's about a Jewish boy, but he ends up posing as a Catholic boy uh, in in this mining town in in Hope, Alaska, and so he learns a lot about Catholicism. Uh, but he's posing himself. He's not a real Catholic. He's a Jewish kid, but he's posing as a Catholic. Uh, and and the theme of the seven deadly sins is woven through this story. So um, so I do touch on that in in Hope City. Um, who knows what you know what comes up next? I you know I, I am obviously I'm Jewish um, because that's the, a lot of the theme of my books, and I understand that the best growing up culturally that way. Um, but I do like. Um, dabbling into other areas to to, to understand uh, other types of religions and traditions as well. Uh, it helps me learn more about it uh, by my research and studying and asking questions. So yeah, it's always good to try to expand. Uh, you know what I'm writing about, uh, push the envelope, uh, go further than what's comfortable. Because you know, as an artist, that's that's one of the goals that you're trying to achieve. Right. And, and again, that's something I find fascinating because uh, just like with your historical fiction, it almost seems like uh, dabbling within these uh, these belief systems in in the metaphysical realm with with the fiction that you're that you're writing. It again could help people more maybe understand a faith or or belief system that 
they're not accustomed to. Maybe make it an easier pill to swallow. Yeah. Well, you know, the idea of fiction is to escape reality. I mean, we have, you know, that's why people read, because we want to escape reality. Um, we, want to, we want to explore other worlds. We want to get in the minds of, you know, the writer, of course, um, but you want to get lost in the book. Um, so, you know, that's what you try to try to achieve. Um, yeah, that's what I want in a book, and as I write my books, that's what I'm hoping that the writer, the reader, will, will get from it. But they get lost in it, um, and they can't, you know, they they also you know, can't wait to read the next chapter, and the next chapter, um, and uh, are disappointed when they get to the finish. Um, so that's you know, there's a, there's a lot there, you know, because unlike other forms of art, um, like you go to a museum, you might spend an hour or two or three hours at a museum or a concert, you might spend a couple hours. Um, to invest in a time as a patron of the arts. But when you're in a book, you're investing a lot more time than that, weeks and sometimes months for some people. Uh, so, you know, you're asking a lot for a reader to take on your book. And so, um, you know, it's, it's quite an honor when someone reads your book and actually writes a nice review for you, which is also wonderful, or actually even contacts you and wants to talk about it, uh, which I always love to do. So that's that's a really um, the best part. I think the biggest reward about writing is is getting that feedback that people have enjoyed what you've did, what you've written. Well, you, you, that, that's kind of a perfect segue. Uh, you do have a gift for for everybody listening right now, uh, which will be in the description down below. Um, and why don't you go ahead and let them know what uh, what what you have planned for them? Yeah. Well, as I said, um, well, first of all. Let me back up. As a, I became a book writer. Once you become a book writer, you also have to become a bookseller. And when you become a bookseller, one of the most important things to sell books is have good reviews. So you know, people before they, you know, if you go on Amazon, this is how I buy books. I'll go down, I'll skim down and see, read the reviews. If the reviews are four and five stars, you know, that's that's usually my you know the, the level of book I want to read. Anything with you know four stars or more. Right. So. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm looking for. So I need reviews. Uh, so what I would like to offer to your your uh, listening audience is um, a free download of my new book, The Bomb Squad. Just have to send me an email to, to neilperrygordon at gmail.com and I'll send you a PDF of the book. Um, and all I ask in return is, you know, read it. Hopefully you'll like it and, and leave me a review on Amazon. Um, that's that's the uh, the deal I'm making. Um, so you got a free book. Hopefully you'll read it and hopefully you'll like it and it'll give me four or five stars. And I'm I'm going to be downloading it myself because uh, <laughs> now I want to read it. I, I do. I, I really am interested in this. And and guys, that that link will be in the description down below. So from this video, once you're done listening to us or this this audio, once you're done listening to us, please click that link. Get your free book of the Bomb Squad. Read it and. Jump over to Amazon and, and help Mr. Gordon out with the reviews. The more reviews he gets, the, the better his books uh, can do. The more books he'll put out for everybody. So, I mean, it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. It really I, is. I think so. So, uh, getting getting back into the topics of, 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 uh, of what inspired it, like, one of the things I'm sitting on here uh, is that you started writing or, or got your book, first book published in 2018, you said, correct? Only two years ago? Yes. Correct. And you've already put out uh, five books with three more on the way, if, I, if I, I, my count is correct. <laughs> I have four published books, uh, and I have one coming out in June, and then I'll have probably two more by the end of the year. 
um, God willing, that uh, everything goes well. But yeah, so I'll have a total of uh, seven uh, by the end of 2020. How do you find the time? <laughs> and I, I asked this. I asked this from a first person perspective. I've attempted to write a book and failed miserably because I just I couldn't stay with it, you know. And and I, I, it's a rare trait, so I always respect authors to begin with. But it almost seems to me like you're writing multiple books at one time. How do you not? No, I don't. I don't write. Well, the only time I, I do overlap. So if I finish, a, I finished a manuscript. Now I have to wait for my editor because she has a schedule. So until she's free. Um, so my, I have one sitting waiting for her to edit. So I start a new one. Um, so, you know, it's, they overlap, but it's not like I'm working on two at the same time. Um, but how do I get, how do I do it? I just push, I push through it. You know, like people say, do you have, have writer's block? Um, and so writer's block to me is a, a barrier. You get to a wall and you're like, oh my God, I'm stuck here. I can't get through. I'm just going to give up. This is not worth it. Not worth the effort. I push through. I keep pushing. I push myself through. I don't give up. I keep, you know, I, I break through those barriers and, um, I love the process of, the, of writing, so that's why I, I like doing it. I like the storytelling aspect of it. I like pushing out the words first, uh, and then coming back and reworking the words, like you know, like a, a sculptor will rework clay in a way. Um, so I like that process. I like you know the the, the mechanics of storytelling. Um, I like working with my editor and getting her feedback and. Um, I like the process of getting the book proofread and then getting a book cover design done. And, um, and then there's nothing better than getting the actual physical book in your hand when it finally is out. Uh, then getting it up on Amazon and then hearing back reviews from people who read it or um, friends who tell me that they loved it. Um, so, yeah, so there's a lot of gratification from it. Uh, so that's why I keep pushing because... I like that. I like that feedback. I like that gratification. It just, you know, it, it does well on my soul. Now, is this is this uh, go, going back to, to what inspired you to even become a novelist, a writer? Uh, again, two two years ago is when you you got your first book published. How long were you were you uh, attempting to be an author before the first book finally released? Well, I started it and wrote it, and that's the way I did it. I mean, I, I wasn't struggling trying to write. Um, I knew I wanted to write. I took an online writing course with a friend as a, you know, we decided to do it together. A friend of mine lives in Atlanta. So we did that for a, a couple of months. That was in 2017. And then when I was done with that, I'm going, okay, I'm writing my book. So, um, I had a story in mind, um, about my great grandparents who immigrated from Southern Poland in 1910. And I used that as the basis of my story. Of course, I made them much more heroic than they really were and much more adventurous and probably much more interesting. Um, <laughs> but uh, I used them as, as my characters. Uh, so I had characters in mind. Not, not that I ever met them. Um, they, were, they, they passed before I was born. Um, but I had, I had some family members who, who did meet them. So I was able to have conversations with them about, you know, how were, you know what, they, what was it like and what do you remember about them. So that helped. Um, so that, that all just worked out nicely, and I, and I got it's almost, almost 60 reviews I have on that book on Amazon, all four- and five-star reviews. So I got, and I got a lot of good press on it. Um, so for a first book out of the gate, it was, um, it was, it was very successful. That's, that's awesome. 
especially especially because of the fact that, you, that I especially find this interesting is that you used your grandparents as inspiration for your first book. Um, Great grandparents. Or your great-grandparents, excuse me. That that's that's awesome in its own right. I mean, uh you say you say you made them more heroic than they probably or interesting than they probably were in real life, but I I I hate to be the one to correct the the author here, but it seems like they were interesting enough to inspire you. They were. They inspired me for sure. They first, yeah. Well, you know, it, I don't want to give away the uh, the book and give any spoilers. Oh no, no. <laughs> but, but what my uh, my my great grandfather what he had two choices. So he took he took one choice in his life, uh, which was not heroic. And I and I made him take another choice in his life, which was heroic, so um, which was definitely helped the book along. So yeah, so I made him a hero of the story. Um, when in real life he wasn't so heroic, but you know we need drama in our stories, and so that's what I gave him. I gave him this uh, this, this this heroic moment of, in his life. Well, obviously, with the three books that you have uh, coming, the one coming this this mo- uh, this coming month in June. And then yeah. the subsequent ones that'll come out before the end of 2020. What's next? Uh, um, I guess kind of the question is now we're going to go into the what if categories. Like, uh, is this uh, maybe without spoilers that you may want to revisit some of your previous characters or maybe you want to step into a, maybe a different genre? And if so, what style of genre do you think you would like to try attempt or tackle next? Well, the Bomb Squad will have a sequel. I haven't started that yet. Um, and Hope City, which is the book coming out in June, will have a sequel, which I did start. So okay. those two books will be, are coming. I have another book coming out uh, in between those books in the fall, which um, is historical fiction. So i got three books uh, yet to come. Um, beyond that, I don't know. Uh, that's a little far out for me to even contemplate um, because who knows? I mean, maybe it has something to do with the, you know, I was thinking a good story could be about the 1918 pandemic, um, using, writing about that and using what I know what happened now. Because, uh, you know, now you, what's nice, well, it's not nice, but what's what's interesting as a writer is that you, is that, you know, you can this watch and learn uh, people's behavior, what's going on in, in the world today. And, and you can imagine um, things being similar to what happened a hundred years ago when we had the Spanish flu. Right. Um, so, you know, using what I'm learning now to write about, you know, people back then could be interesting. So that's something I've been tossing around. I would imagine it, uh, not to, not to uh, step away from, from the author, but I would imagine taking taking what you know today and placing it back 100 years ago i would almost think it would be an even worse hardship on people because they didn't have a lot of the amenities that we have today that's true no antibiotics and medicine was not like in medicines today but you know we all have the same fears i mean you, you look at the pictures you see people walking around with masks and you see some of the comments and articles uh people have to, you know quarantining and, and businesses shutting down and some cities open sooner than others um, so there are a lot of remarkable similarities. Um, of course, you know, things were not as, you know, we have so much, many more comforts today than we did 100 years ago. Right. Um, but people are people, and um, we still complain about the same things and have a lot of the same problems. So, you know, I think I could learn. You know, you go to the grocery store now, um, and you could just see fear in people's eyes, because that's really all you see now, which is their eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you really focus on that. 
Um, so that, you know, it's, it's, it's become uh, an interesting idea that, who knows, maybe it'll percolate into a book. <laughs> definitely, definitely would be one that I think a lot of people maybe, uh, maybe uh, find some personal connection to. Which, which I, I imagine as an author is something that you really get, uh, get, and I imagine through like your, your, uh, your, uh, reviews and, and, uh, your one-on-ones talking to people about your books and all that, definitely got to ask, how rewarding is it, uh, when, when somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I've read, I've read the, uh, the, the immigrant's tale book, your, your, your grand, your great-grandparents book. Uh, for example, and it's like, man, I I totally get that. Like, it, it spoke to me uh, personally because my family did this, or something, yeah. you know, where there's an actual personal connection to it. Um, I've had comments exactly like that. Um, what you just described for a cobbler's tale, people came to me and said, "I'm an immigrant. I could I totally relate to the story. I love the book. Yeah, it feel it's wonderful. There's, uh, I, you know, it's it's so." Uh, such a great feeling just from my own ego that it's just like, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to talk about it. Right? I went down to Florida last year and I sat with some of my mother's friends who read the book and they go, can we talk to you about the book? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I love it. That's my favorite topic. Let's talk about it. Um, so uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing because I, I love to hear feedback from people. That's, you know, and like, you know, want to do a podcast about me and my book? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it anytime. I'd love to talk about it. That's awesome. I did, but uh, yeah, I, I would love to talk about it. But first, I want to read them, and second off, I don't want to give give away spoilers. So if, if you and I ever sat down to talk about your books after I've read them, it, it would be uh, off air. <laughs> I want other people to read the books too. But um, you know, uh, the, the big thing I I feel like I'm gonna be giving the cat out of the bag here, so I apologize in advance. But again, going back to the 2018 release of your first book, Cobblestone. You, sir, I know are not like, you know, in your 20s, for example. So I have a purpose for this. Um, you you obviously are, are a little later in your years and, and all. Um, what do you, what, uh, what's, how do I want to phrase this? What words of advice would you like to give an aspiring author, whether they're 18, fresh out of high school with dreams and ideas, or maybe somebody in their 50s or 60s saying has always been sitting with a story in their mind. It's like, but I'm too old for this. What advice would you give them? Well, you're never too old because Benjamin Franklin was productive in his life till he died. That he died, and, you know, and you know, look at great artists, Picasso. I mean, uh, they're always productive for. So, and that's inspiring to me. Um, I have a 20 or 25 year old son who uh, I'm helping write his book. He's writing a, a, a nonfiction book, um, and you know what anyone comes across when writing is this—is this the challenge of it? Is this the difficulty? It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, and my advice is just don't give up. Just keep pushing through it. When you get when you hit that wall, you have to have that discipline of going. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to. I'm not going to stop. So you got to establish a, a process, a, a way you write every day, and stick to that discipline. Um, I wake up four o'clock every morning to write. I've done that now for a couple of years. Um, so you know, I have a I have a discipline that I that I stick to. Um, and whenever I can grab time in between everything else, you know, that's what I like about writing uh, is that I can do it on my laptop. I mean, years ago, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you needed a typewriter. 
Um, and then if you wanted to do research, like for historical fiction, you have to go to the library. It would have taken me, you know, three years to write a cobbler's tale or any of my books. Uh, now I can just man, Google <laughs> and uh, I, I find everything I need at my fingertips and I can write without using liquid paper to fix my mistakes. And, you know, so uh, the tools of the trade of the writer is, makes it much easier today to write. Um, and uh, it's a passion. And, you know, once you have that passion, uh, you don't let, any, you don't let anybody let anything stop you from that. Um, so um, you have to also have the type of um, obsessive, compulsive personality that I have. But once I get stuck on something, I'm, you know, that's it. I'm like zoomed in on it. I'm you know, very focused. I can't stop until this is right. You know, yeah, I get that. Um, awesome, Neil. I have had an absolute blast. Again, guys, go to uh, go send an email to Neil Perry Gordon at gmail.com. I said that correct, yes? Neil Perry Gordon at gmail.com. Yes, you have. All Thank right. You. And it will be a in the description down below to get your free PDF copy of the Bomb Squad. Make sure you go over to Amazon after you read it. Give a four or five star review or an honest review. I, I I shouldn't I shouldn't push for the four or fives. I think it'll get the four and fives. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm always, I'm I'm always pimping for reviews. So yeah, I'm like uh, don't be stingy on the on the stars. Don't be stingy on the stars, but give an honest review. And, honest reviews always welcome. And of course, guys, I, I I'm definitely going to do this now. I'm going to invite Neil back on uh, once he releases his new book in June, so that way we can uh, start talking about it. Oh, thank you. You know, and uh, uh, guys, thank you very much. Uh, Neil, the, the last question I got to ask, besides the, the Neil Perry Gordon at gmail.com, if anybody wishes to contact you uh, in, in, uh, to discuss your books or, or uh, get into further detail than we covered here in the interview today, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, through email is fine. Or go to my website, which is uh, uh, neilperrygordon.com. So go to my website or email me, neilperrygordon at gmail.com. Uh, either way, or I have a Facebook page. We go always instant message on Facebook. Um, so Neil Perry Gordon, uh, my Facebook page, too, is another way of uh, reaching out to me. All right, great. And, of course, guys, uh, thank you for joining us here at Breaking the Fourth Wall. If you enjoyed this video or episode in any capacity, hit that thumbs-up button. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts of Relativous Entertainment. And here on YouTube, go ahead and jump over to our sister channel, Sounds Dicey Gaming, for all your video game and tabletop role-play content uh, needs. And, of course, if you prefer your podcast in audio-only format, we've got you covered. Just check out Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. Neil, again, this has been an absolute pleasure. I absolutely enjoyed this. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. And, guys, I will catch you on the next Breaking the Fourth Wall. Have a good night. <laughs>